you're listening to a message from Kaleo Phoenix, a church plant in downtown Phoenix, Arizona, that creates space for people to practice the ways of Jesus together. Well, it's 2021 and everything's better. Would we agree? I mean, I did just bend my fingernail back fixing a chair and it was excruciating and I can't get over it. I've told like 10 people, now I'll tell you all. It's terrible. There's a white line in everything. I'm not okay. But there's something about when, when years change or we, we have a birthday where we psychologically get ourselves excited about something new or a new start or a fresh beginning, something, if you will, that is going to be better than what was. And we were very optimistic going into 2020. Were we not? A new decade. Let's go. Right? Well, here we are looking back at 2020, and it was terrible, absolutely awful. There's a lot of churches that had series. We didn't do one, but they had a series called 2020 Vision. So you go in, what is our church going to be in this next decade? And there's the graphics and stuff and all the excitement. Then 2020 happens, and it rocks those visions. In fact, maybe to get a more focused 2020 vision is to go back and look at what was as painful as it may be, and name it, identify it, see it. But here we are again in January, full of optimism, and then the sixth happens. The warning signs were everywhere. This did not happen out of nowhere. The writing was on the wall. It was a buildup, if you will. And our capital was broken into storm. There's an insurrection we got to see the full face of white supremacy and nationalism that's infected our country. And the worst part of it all is that there were crosses and flags that said, Jesus saves. And this insurrection, if you will, was baptized in the name of Jesus. And for that, we confess and we repent that as Christ followers, our brothers and sisters have gone astray and baptized that which is evil and called good. So we're going to get dark a little bit, as always. It feels like um, we're a little tired and exhausted of talking of the next tragedy. There's always a tragedy, and we're getting used to it. In fact, we're getting a little numb to it. And when we come to church, Instead of some of the joy that we can be filled, we leave heavier, lamenting a little bit more of the things that we see in this world. We see the ideologies and the politics and the worldviews that are astray, but then what's even more frustrating is when it's being perpetuated by our own brothers and sisters who claim Christ, who are doing the thing. So at Kaleo, I just want to be clear, which it is terrible that we have to even say this, but I want to be clear. We emphatically denounce white supremacy. We emphatically denounce nationalism. We do not believe that Jesus died for our Bill of Rights. It, and, and here, you're, you're not surprised to hear that, but it has to extend out of here. There's work to be done. It's not just a proclamation, but a way of living, which we're going to lean into a little bit more today. But valley-wide, each church should be denouncing these evil things because these things have been baptized in the name of our Savior. They've been baptized in the name of Jesus, and we cannot sit idly 
by and allow that to happen for what Martin Luther King said for the sake of that peace. That is not peace. It's more of the same. And Jesus has another way. So we are in the season of epiphany and we're gonna see things the way they are. And this season starts with Jesus being baptized. And thank God, thank God that Jesus showed us a different way. If you wanna turn with me to Mark chapter one, I know you can't see a Bible if you have a phone or anything where you can just trust that these are the word of the Lord. Starts chapter one, Mark chapter one, starting in verse four. And so John the Baptist appeared in the wilderness preaching a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. The whole Judean countryside and all the people of Jerusalem went out to him, confessing their sins. They were baptized by him in the Jordan River. John wore clothing made of camel's hair with a leather belt around his waist and he ate locust and wild honey. And this was his message. After me comes one more powerful than I, the straps of whose sandals I am not worthy to stoop down and untie. I baptize you with water, but he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. John was a part of an Essene group of, of Nazarites. He was serious. He was devout. He moved out into the desert and he started declaring this kingdom that was coming. His sermons were not fluffy. He was not a little candle at the front of the church flickering in the light. He was a wildfire. And his message was this, repent of your sins, confess your sins because the kingdom is coming. He was not concerned necessarily with your bank account or your marriage or your parenting skills. He was not doing series about how to live your best life now. He had one message and it was this, repent and people flocked to him. The prostitute flocked to him. The tax collector flocked to him. The Roman soldier flocked to him, not because it was something they wanted to hear, but because there was a gravity in the message that pulled people to go stand in crowds and then stand in lines to confess their sins. If we are going to move forward as a church, which I believe the hope of the world is found in the church because it's through Christ who leads the church, we must confess. Things are not as they should be. Sin infects the world and we see the havoc it creates. There's pandemics, the syndemic even, where there's multiple pandemics affecting us as a society, competing with each other to tear us apart. We have the pandemic of COVID-19, which we're praying gets under control. We have the pandemic of racism and systemic oppression that has plagued our society. We have the pandemic of Trumpism and nationalism that is infecting our society and that has gone into the doors of the church. And we feel it, don't we? The heart-pounding, tight chest feeling of rage that we see when that other person says the things they say, we feel it. We confess any part in which we were complicit or even perpetuated it. We confess because without confession, there's no movement forward. John looked at the tax collector and he said, stop exploiting the poor to line your own pockets. He said to the Roman soldier, stop using violent force to oppress people to get what you want. He said, 
to the rabbi. Stop using your religious education as a way to set yourself apart from others. Confess these things and you will be made clean. And a line was formed. Now in this line, there is a man and we know him very well. We like him very much. His name is Jesus. The very one that John is talking about, Jesus is standing in line with the prostitute, the tax collector, the soldier, and the rabbi. He's not in a hurry. He's not chomping at the bits. He's not raising his hand saying, he's talking about me. But he stands there quietly, humbly, meekly even, making conversation with those in line, them having no idea that he's the one that's gonna baptize with the Holy Spirit. Them just talking to this average guy from the Galilee region, just standing in line, just like everybody else. And Jesus is not hastened by the fact that he's talking about him. I need to go ahead and claim this epiphany that I am who John is talking about. He stands in line, humbling. And the baptizer yells, next, next, next. A story, Fred Craddock, a, a professor and pastor, passed away a few years ago. He said that one time he was asked to preach at one of his friend's church, and his friend's name is William Sloan Coffin Jr. What a name. It's a big church, a big pulpit, and it's in Albany. But his, his friend that asked him to preach was a bachelor. And Craddock goes up to preach at this place, and he's staying at his place. His buddy's out of town. And he's getting ready the next day, Sunday, and he goes to the fridge and there's a note on it that says, Fred, there's nothing in here, don't look. So he opens the fridge, which you would do if you saw, like you're scared you're going to see like a human organ or something with that. Well, he, op he opens the fridge and there's nothing in there. So he, th he sees on the note, you can go down to the church and you can eat breakfast there. And he thinks, good, I'll do that. I'm going to go to the church and I'll get acquainted with the staff. I'll see who does what. I'll have a good orientation on what I'm supposed to do for Sunday morning. So he goes there, but there's a line of 200 people standing there. And he hears the word, next, next. And it comes to his turn. He grabs his tray. He gets his scoop of eggs, his biscuit, and his coffee. And he goes and he sits down. And as he's eating, there's a guy in an old suit. It's raggedy. And he's eating and Fred says to him, what do you do? Where are you from? He says, oh, I'm from here. I'm from Albany, but I used to be a stockbroker. I was doing pretty well, actually, too, but then the bottle got me. I lost my family, my job, my marriage. Um, my daughter actually said that I could stay with her if I was sober, and I gave it a good go for four to five weeks, but ultimately, it got me again, and here I am. Where are you from? He says, I'm from Georgia. He says, Fred, what do you do? He says, I'm a pastor. And the guy laughs and says, well, I guess the bottle gets us all. Fred wanted to stand up on the table and clink his glass and say, excuse me. I am not like you losers sitting around here eating this free breakfast from the church. I am Dr. Fred B. Craddock, a distinguished professor of New Testament and preaching at the Chandler School of Theology, Emory University. In a few moments, I'll be preaching at one of the greatest pulpits in America. I am not like you. But he didn't. Because he realized something. His mind went back to the baptism of Jesus 
where the baptizer yells, next, next. And in his realization, he realized that in the kingdom of God, there's no distinguished professional professor. There's no rich, there's no poor. It's just us, folks in line, who all share the same water of holiness, baptized in Christ. Next, next, Jesus is in this line. He hears the word next. He steps into the water. And his friend, his cousin, the one blazing the trail before him, says, oh, no, 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 you should be baptizing me. And Jesus says, chill, man, you're going to do it. It's part of it. I'm going to show you something. He gets baptized, and a light comes down from heaven, and descending like a dove, the Holy Spirit, and the words, this is my son, my beloved, I am well pleased. Jesus was not in a hurry to get into the water. Jesus was not flashing this proclamation to his people because he was able to stand there humbly because as Rowan Williams says, we are all longing for an identity and it doesn't have to be, that doesn't have to be negotiated or achieved. It's an identity that is found in Christ. Jesus knew who he was, who the father said that he was. And because of that, he was able to humbly stand in line like every else. The pressure to be, to stand out and set apart was not there because Jesus knew who he was. Becoming man so that we can become sons and daughters of God. So we're just folks in a line, just us. We share in that baptism. And today I want us to reflect on what this baptism means. Because when we baptize ideologies and politics in our world, we become slaves to idolatry and there's direct implication. It leads to violence and people die. That's been the way it's been the whole time. His disciples wanted a militant Messiah. Peter even cut a guy's ear off and Jesus said, no, put your sword away. That is not who I am. It looks different. The problem that I see with Christians trying to take political power is that it's typically used for oppression in some sense and they start to put people in power because I think they would rather have Donald Trump as their Messiah than Jesus Christ. That's what that was. And it's been happening since the dawn of time. Us baptizing our notions of power. We want a king and we baptize it and we sanctify it, and then it becomes pure. And there's no room for anything to speak against it because then you are evil going against this God, this pure doctrine, if you will, of this ideology. And it creates polarization and oppression and pain and violence. And at the end of the day, no matter which side it falls on, if it's not baptized in Jesus, it is not holy. It's not. Left or right, our hope cannot be in a politician or a policy. There's good ones and there are bad ones, and we need to speak our voice and be activists in that that cause. Heck, we can even disagree, if you will. But at the end of the day, it's not Jesus. We practice the ways of Jesus together, 
We follow Jesus together. That is the way in which we are set apart. Nothing else, nothing added that. So when we get that, we realize we're just folks in line. We can see people with a different lens. We can see them as the baptizer saw Jesus and Jesus looked back in his cousin's eyes. We can see people differently, but we have to realize anything that is baptized that is not of Jesus does not belong and needs to be gotten rid of. We are folks in line, together, unified. Not us and them. Not they. Not those people. Not them over there. Just folks in line. It's a pretty picture. It's a hopeful one. But it comes at a cost. We read the story the other day uh, to our daughters and... um, my wife asked my oldest, Emmy, if she knew what baptism was. She's back there. She can see that I'm talking about her. Uh, and Emmy said, yeah, I think so. And all right, what is it? She said, it's when Jesus holds you underwater for a few minutes. And she, she's not wrong. It's when Jesus holds you underwater for a few minutes. Let's think of that picture. I used to have a pool growing up, and we would try to see how long we could hold our breaths. And I got over two minutes one time. Very impressive, very impressive. I'm an impressive person. Over two minutes was my record. And so I think of a few minutes. And what happens when you get to your end is in, in your, I mean, there's doctors here who could explain it much better, but here we go, my novice attempt. Our, our lung starts gasping for air and you do the air bubble thing, the you know what I'm talking about a little bit? And your body starts to have this violent reaction. And in fashion, all you want to do is burst forth through the water and take a huge gasp of air. If you've had older siblings or older friends, you've probably been held underwater longer than you would like to. Where you start feeling this mm, 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 feeling in your lungs and you start to thrash and then that hand presses against you a little bit harder and you freak out, right? It's terrifying. You were actually in the process of dying. That's exactly what's happened. You need oxygen and you will fight your way to get that oxygen. And because you are all here, I assume you've made it out. And you take that gas. But I'm thinking about this baptism and Jesus holding you underwater for a few minutes is You go in and you confess that there is this falseness of who you are, this sinfulness that doesn't look the way that it should be, that is a tainting, a blemish of the image of God. And you go into the water, which is a symbolic sacrament of the church, and you are baptized and you come out and you are made new. But what happens is, with your confession, is the falseness of yourself is being deprived of that which it needs to thrive. It is being drowned by Jesus in the water for a few minutes. And as we go into these baptismal waters and we are unified as folks in a line going down and and professing the Savior and saying we are sinners, there is still a violent reaction that happens in us. And that's why things are still in our lives, not as they fully should be, because we, our falseness of who we are, fights and it struggles and it needs air. But here we are, hopefully in a space created to deprive it of that air that it needs but we fall victim to it at times and it gets up and it catches its breath. And while it might be a violent image of one thrashing and trying to breathe, our process 
when we confess our sins is not meant to just stay there, but it's meant to go off and follow the way of Jesus, which is hard. And don't let anybody tell you that it isn't. It's difficult. When Jesus stepped into the water, it was his first official step towards the cross. Our suffering servant loves that guy. Our suffering servant took an official step into the water and then stepped out towards the cross. For us to be baptized in the name of Jesus, we too come out of the water, confessing our sins and then stepping towards our cross. There's movement. We can't just stay here. We can't just stay here. So even though Jesus didn't have sin in his life, he stood in line with the sinners to one day step toward the cross and forgive them all. And I can imagine that Jesus had the people who he spoke to in that line in mind as he hung viciously on the cross, humbly standing with his kinfolk in line. So as folks in line, we are sent on a mission, but it's okay. Because at the end of the day, just as Jesus was called beloved by God for not doing anything yet, we too are seen by God and we are known and it's okay. Because we don't have to do it alone. We have Jesus. We have Jesus. Cara Barth proposed that God's claiming of Jesus in this story summarizes the essence of the gospel. The astonishing claim that God does not and will not remain hidden is in, its heights, in the heights of heaven but descends into the depths of earthly life in order to be seen and heard by us finite creatures. He stands in this line with us. This is the good news. There is hope because Jesus embody it, embodies it. Christ's baptism represents the possibility of newness and wholeness. So while 2021 has not gotten off to a good start, we have hope. You're standing in line and you hear the word next and your time is getting closer. Next, next. Then it's your turn you step into the chilly waters of the river and it is cold. And the baptizer extends his hand to stabilize you and you walk in and he looks you in the eyes and says, do you confess? You say, yes, I do. And in an instant, you were fully immersed because I am still Baptist. You were fully immersed in the water and it takes your breath away. And you burst forth through the scene and the warmth of the sun penetrates even the numbness of the cool water on your face. And you realize in that moment that it is okay. Everything is okay. 
because you are beloved by God. You don't have to do or achieve anything for God is pleased with you. And in that, you start walking to the bank and you hear the word next. You get out of the water and you observe new brothers and new sisters responding to the call next. Next. So we go forth into this night and we know that there is hope. We know the world is on fire. There is hope. And we will not settle for this compromised peace because we are on a mission towards the cross. But we remember this one thing. We share one baptism. We share one baptism. We're just folks in a line. Just people beloved by God, sons and daughters. But there's movement to be had. So who will answer the call? Who is next? The band's gonna come up here and lead us in a song about coming to the table. One of the things we, we still miss is the fact that we used to eat together as a community, which some of us still go and eat and grab coffee now and then. But it hasn't quite been the same. Because it's a time that we get to actually look at each other and get to know each other and exchange numbers and information. And while that's missing, we know that it's not the end thing. We don't have to just baptize that. We know that we're here for a reason. There's a pool and it's Jesus. But I just want to pray over us for a moment. And I want us to put ourselves in the line. Jesus, thank you for your humility and the fact that you provided a way that we get to observe this way, that we get to follow this way. God, we see you're a person humbly standing in line the line is moving slowly and there you are among us. We're actually standing next to you. We're talking to you. We don't fully know who you are yet, but there's still something about your presence that suddenly makes us want to start confessing some things. But God, not a, a confession of shame, but one of opportunity of hope knowing that once I say this and express this there is something that will change there is hope in newness and even though things are falling apart in our worlds and even in our families and our personal lives we look to you and we look in your eyes and we hear the word next and every time that word is uttered, we know that somebody else's life is about to change. We know that our unification of the kinfolk of Jesus is multiplying. Next, your time is coming. Next. And we see you, and you fully embody what it is to be human, loved by God, 
And calmly and peacefully you step into the waters and you go under and you come up and the Holy Spirit falls upon you and the voice of the Father approves of you, even though, Jesus, you still hadn't really accomplished anything yet. And then you turn to us and you look us in the eyes. You say the same baptism that I just underwent is for you also. The same spirit that just fell upon me is available to you. The same affirmation of the words that you were loved by the Father, the Creator, is available for you next. Jesus, we have made our confessions. We've denounced evil systems in the world. We want to be a part of that solution. God, but in this attempt, may we not become the monster that we are trying to destroy. May we follow your ways and lean into our baptism that we have. God, that when we see others, we see beloved sons and daughters of God. We're thankful for this day of epiphany and the fact that there are things unseen that are still being revealed to us. And we're thankful for the illumination of your spirit in our lives. And we pray that we continue to grow together as a community, as a voice in Phoenix, to call things for what they are, but God, ultimately to follow in your way, practicing the ways of your son. We thank you and we love you. And we're so thankful that we have people here who have responded to the call next. It's in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit that we pray. Amen. For more resources or information about Kaleo, please visit our website at kaleophx.com or follow us on social media. If this episode has been helpful to you, let us know or share it with someone you know.